Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Friday, October the 27th. I am your host, Michael Iani Polarchio, welcoming you to episode 52 of the soon-to-be-renamed podcast where we talk about innovation, strategy, leadership, technology, futurism, I guess whatever comes to mind is in, and is relevant for that particular week. And this week, I've got some interesting topics to talk about. I'm going to unpack a little bit what CIOs, Chief Information Officers, can bring to their organizations through the use of data and analytics. I'm going to talk about journaling, good old-fashioned pen and paper journaling. And we're going to explore one interesting tech tool tip of the week, a tool that I uh, have been experimenting with and thought I would just give an update to the listening community on. So without further ado, let me say buckle up, everyone, sit back and let's get started. Well, you know, I was reflecting on this podcast and it dawned on me and I went back and I took a look. When did episode one come out? Well, it came out on October 25th, 2022. So we're at our one year anniversary, even though we've uh, sort of jumped into season two since I was following an academic uh, calendar, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's been just a couple days over a year that uh, I've been doing this and chatting with all of you, and it's pretty cool, uh, and I look forward to the year ahead. I had the absolute pleasure uh, recently as well, so just before I get into this week's uh, first topic, uh, one of our listeners, who is a former colleague, I won't, I won't uh, give too much information because I don't want to violate her privacy, but a colleague of mine from uh, many years ago who now is uh, um, teaching overseas uh, and was listening to the podcast, uh, reached out to me, wanted to talk about some things regarding innovation and schools, found herself in town and um, dropped by and we had just a wonderful, wonderful hour and some conversation. Uh, and, you know, this is, I was reflecting on that when I was uh, uh, at the end of the day doing my, my typical process for reflection. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is part of what I wanted in starting the podcast was conversations and an ability to stay in touch with people and reach new people and spark people's ideas and imagination. And so many, 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 many thanks um, to Natalie who um, popped in uh, to spend a little time with me uh, this past week. Really one of the highlights of, uh, of my week. First topic I wanted to talk about actually connects to something I just mentioned, uh, which is my process of, of daily reflection. And I want to sort of link it to a, another comment that came from, I was in a coffee shop, uh, I'd had a meeting with someone, um, after work, uh, and then I was uh, taking some notes, and someone else I knew uh, walked into the coffee shop, and then we were chatting, and um, he pointed to my uh, sort of leather-bound uh, <laughs> journal, paper journal, uh, and, and said, uh, 
Whoa, I would have thought you would have been using something digital, um, MIP. Um, I'm, a lot of people uh, use my initials, MIP. Um, and uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to talk a little bit about journaling. I do use all kinds of note-taking apps. We've talked about them before, things like Obsidian for writing. Uh, you've heard me talk about the device called the Remarkable, which is a great digital, almost like a, a, a paper equivalent digital slate. But I always go back to paper journals. And this is not uh, a segment around the benefits of paper versus digital. What I really want to just talk about is the, the importance of journaling for me. Now, I use paper journals. There's just something about uh, that for, for that reflection. I do, I do personal reflection. Uh, I do professional reflection. Uh, and I, I like to sort of expand on ideas and um, it's just, it's an important part of my process. I've been journaling for a very, very long time. Uh, I can remember exactly when it was uh, without giving away my age and whatnot, but um, a, a teacher in school kind of got me into it way, 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 way back in uh, 1984, so a long time ago. Um, and so that's what I really wanted to talk about, which, uh, you know, which is journaling in general. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, hey, this is supposed to be a podcast uh, about innovation and what could possibly be innovative about, you know, putting pen to paper um, in this era. But journaling itself, you know, is something that has been around for a very, very long time. Um, and it's, it's, you know, we can see through history that all kinds of people have journaled to give them that ability. It's almost like an aid to intellectual growth, uh, problem solving, uh, and, and I think self-reflection. You have to be able to do that self-reflection. I think of people like Leonardo da Vinci, for instance, of which I am no Leonardo da Vinci, um, but I'm using that as an example that you know, to capture ideas and thoughts and, and to reflect and how that was a part of, uh, of the process. So when we're thinking of journaling as a self-reflective process, I find that for me, uh, it really serves as a mirror for my thoughts, right? In all the years that I've been doing consulting work and strategy work and entrepreneurial ventures. And I've always found that reflective practices like journaling, for me, really illuminate assumptions I've, I've got. It might highlight biases that I, I, I might have that might go unnoticed without spending that time uh, of reflecting. Um, and, and these things that significantly influence my decision-making process. Uh, and some kind, sometimes that can almost be unconscious. But when we articulate our thoughts, particularly in writing, it's really an opportunity to gain new insights into sort of the mental models that we have, the mental frameworks. And, and I think that, that that sort of provides that fertile ground for innovation. What's important in journaling, there's the writing it down piece. But you've got to be able to go back and reread and reflect. And so I do that on a weekly basis. 
I do that on a monthly basis and then I do that on an annual basis where I go back and I look at uh, uh, past journals. I create little indexes as well um, because as, as you continue to do this kind of journaling, you, you end up accumulating quite an archive. Um, and, and so you want to be able to go back to that. I've also been uh, photographing or digitizing uh, a lot of that stuff now as well through the wonders of uh, OCR, uh, object character recognition, and now uh, with artificial intelligence, you can make that searchable. Uh, and you can draw insights in a way that you couldn't before. But even just at its most basic level, it's really effective only if you go back and you, you review uh, those notes. And that means you've got to build that time into the process. That's the self-reflective piece. When I think of, you know, my toolkit as a consultant, um, whether I'm internal to an organization, like I have been at Branksome, I still bring my consulting self, or whether I'm actually doing consulting uh, with an organization. You know, I've got this strategy toolkit, and journaling for me is a part of that toolkit. When I look at strategy and innovation, just think about that. We're always sort of juggling a whole series of very complex problems. And, and sometimes the, the, the intricacy of these challenges or problems or, or initiatives can be somewhat overwhelming. And we're trying to hold all that in our brains. Well, when you journal, it really allows you to deconstruct or decompose the complexities I find, into very manageable parts. And by dissecting each element when I write, I'm creating this sandbox that then I can experiment with different approaches and solutions. You know, it's, it's almost like me kind of talking to myself. It's, it's, a, it's a low risk platform for me to explore ideas. And sometimes those ideas, um, you know, they can be just simple ideas. And sometimes they can be pretty radical ideas that I'm exploring on paper, that I'm reflecting on. They can be, I quite often like to sort of reflect and journal on conversations that I've had. Not, not sort of the dear diary, here's the breakdown of my day, but things that I found interesting, things that I found challenging for myself, things that I, I find inspiring, Things that I was surprised by. I, I like to write these things down and, and then explore them uh, on paper. So that's it as a strategy tool. And you can see how that leads very nicely into journaling being a vehicle or a mechanism for idea incubation. Right? So if I'm capturing things that are happening through my day, interactions with my colleagues, things that I've reflected on in meetings, and quite often I, I keep my, my paper journal with me and I do scribble. And then I mean, it's not note-taking. It's not, it's not you know, meeting minute-taking. I do that in a different way. Um, the journal, I try and capture very specific things. And when I go back and I do that sort of end of the day journaling or the beginning of the day journaling, depending sort of where I'm fitting it in, and I reread and I see what I've written, if I've got sort of that kernel, that seed of an idea, my journal becomes this, this space where I can 
start to incubate that idea. And that has always intrigued me. Uh, and, I, and, and this is something, again, you know, I've, I've looked at quite often. Um, I've always been fascinated with the way da Vinci uh, went through his process. And so using journaling as a, as a vehicle for idea uh, incubation has, has intrigued me. Um, because innovation, as we've talked about, doesn't happen in a vacuum. Right? We talk about how important it is to, to connect our ideas with other people, how diversity of thought, diversity of skills. Well, you know, when we are working independently, especially if we're doing some deep work, that end of the daytime, you know, we're, we're, we're alone with our thoughts. But as soon as you put them down on paper, I find there, there emerges this interesting interplay. Right? Innovation evolves over time. And I find that when I put down my thoughts uh, and, and observations uh, and any insights, for me, it's, it's like planting seeds that might sprout into some kind of full-fledged innovative idea or concept down the line. Because remember, I go back and I take a look at these things. Sometimes it happens to me in the moment. Sometimes I'm connecting things in the moment right through the journaling process. Sometimes it comes out afterwards. More often than not, it's something that emerges afterwards. You know, the, the, the act of revisiting what I've written down adds layers of complexity and nuance to the journaling process and to what's in the journal. You know, it, it, it in a sense, enriches the original ideas. I also find that, you know, we talk a lot about with students, social emotional learning, and we talk about how important it is to develop um, emotional resilience. We've talked in the past about how important it is for the entrepreneur's mindset to have uh, a resilience. So when I sort of look at the emotional dimension Innovation itself isn't just uh, an intellectual endeavor. It's not just cognitive, you know, happening uh, in your head. It, it demands an emotional component. And if you really want, you know, think about when you're trying to create something groundbreaking, okay, and, and you're taking a risk, and there's failure. It's a part of the process. There can be rejection. You might have doubt, self-doubt that creeps in. And and when you journal, I find this at least to be true, it's a safe space for me to process some of those emotions. It's a safe space for me to confront maybe things that I'm, I'm fearful of uh, or that I have some anxiety around. It allows me to, to put that down. It allows me to unpack those elements. And, and, and that is, is critical if we're going to come up with a sustainable approach for uh, innovative activity. So I wanted to talk about it today. Uh, again, because it is a part of my, my daily practice and many people know that. Uh, I even talk about that with my students. I, I, I had created a, when I was in the classroom for those, uh, the last couple of years, you know, I had a separate journal where I reflected on students and what I saw in the classroom. And, and that went into my ability to 
it's kind of part of my assessment process for their own development and their own progress. Um, and and uh, so, you know, I thought I would bring that to the listening community, especially because, you know, somebody uh, <laughs> that's known me for a very long time, hadn't seen me in quite a while, um, was somewhat surprised to see, uh, you know, me, who's always carrying gadgets, who always has the latest phone, who always is, you know, experimenting with different applications, using a very simple leather-bound um, paper journal. If you're not already journaling, maybe it's something you've just never done, or maybe you've done it and, and, and then you've stopped, I really encourage you to, to think about how you might incorporate that into your daily or weekly routine. It doesn't have to be a paper journal if you don't want, you know, if, you, if you're more comfortable doing it digitally or vice versa. What I would say is just start small. Some people, when I talk about my journaling process, they say, like, I'm not sure what to write. Uh, and, you know, some days I write for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And some days I write for an hour. And if I think about when I'm doing some deep, I actually do deep journaling work where sometimes I write for a couple of hours in a journal. But if you're just getting started, if this is something now where you're sort of inspired to do this, start small. Find five minutes during your day uh, or, or, or in a week uh, and, and, and journal. What I would say is that the, the, the key is consistency. That's why you don't want to bite off something that is not manageable. Okay? And remember that it's a personal tool. You're not writing for an audience. You're writing for yourself. And that way you won't self-edit. Don't think, oh, I'm writing this and someone's going to read it. Or You're writing for yourself. You're writing to discover uh, and refine and really empower yourself, that, that innovative part of yourself, the self-reflective part of yourself, the leader in you. Leaders stop and reflect. And by journaling, it gives you an opportunity uh, to do that. So I hope you found that intriguing. It's that kind of low, the low-tech um, approach to uh, innovation or a low-tech tool uh, as part of, of developing who you are as a leader, uh, as an innovator, um, in whatever capacity you, uh, you, know, you might um, need as part of your personal or professional uh, growth. Hey, GarageCast fans, we've got something big to share. First off, a huge shout-out, and thanks to everyone who's been tuning in this past year. You all rock, and we couldn't do it without you. Now get ready for some major awesomeness. We're not just sprucing up the place, we're taking GarageCast to a whole new level. Yep, we're talking a new name, fresh branding, and even a tighter focus on topics that'll make you go, Whoa, I gotta tell my friends about this. Our very own Michael is crafting an epic new vision for the show. New topics, new format, the whole shebang. He's super pumped to share where we're heading, and trust us, you're gonna love it. So keep your ears peeled and your minds open. The new era of GarageCast, or whatever cool name we come up with, is gonna be something you won't wanna miss. Stay tuned, folks.
Welcome back. I want to shift our discussion to data and analytics. And for those of you who might be in that sort of leadership role inside your organization, let's call it a a technology leadership role, an IT leadership role, whether that's a chief information officer inside your organization or you're the director of IT, I want to talk about how uh, data and analytics can be an important part of how you foster innovation inside your organization um, and how you can create value. Now, if you're not a chief information officer, you're just a leader inside your organization, this is an important conversation as well because you have the opportunity to um, look for ways to allow Uh, this kind of work in the area of data and analytics to happen inside your organization. As leaders, you want to be data-driven in your decision-making. Now, again, because we have such a a large group of educators uh, that listen to uh, the podcast as well, you might be thinking, okay, what should I skip this? What does this have to do with me? I think it's equally important because as educators there are ways for you to leverage these types of uh, uh, platforms that might develop inside of your schools. Perhaps someone's got an initiative inside of your school and you're sort of wondering, you know, well, this doesn't have anything to do with, with what I need. Um, you may also be guiding young people, young students, uh, who could find themselves looking at a career in the area of uh, data and analytics. So I think there's a little something for everyone Uh, in this segment. But my focus will be on these innovation sort of uh, tech leaders inside their organizations, the the kind of classic definition of, you know, the chief information officer. When you think of data and analytics inside um, your organization, you know, we're talking about the, the connecting of data, data so often inside our organizations, whether you're a school or in some other industry area, data is, is a, a largely something that's being created through a transaction, through some kind of, uh, of an event. And it serves its purpose in the transaction. You know, you buy something in the retail, in a, in a store, you know, there's data being generated. Um, you, I don't know, you um, post something on Instagram, there's data being generated. You record marks for a student, there's data being generated. A student applies to your school, data's just been generated. Everything around us these days is creating incredible amounts of data through all of these activities that happen. But the act of bringing data together, of looking for patterns, of connecting different types of data, of meaning making and insight finding, in, in being able to generate algorithms from data that allow for um, predictive models to be built, all of these types of things is where there's real value creation uh, available for organizations. Now, there's four really important elements um, if you're going to have successful data and analytics initiatives. You've got to have, and we'll unpack each of these, but let me just sort of get them out uh, out loud first. Vision, you've got to have a vision. We'll talk about that. 
You've got to have talent. You've got to have super important governance. And then the last piece, which is where most people want to start, especially in, in you know, technology people, they want to start with the platforms. Those are the four key pieces. So let, let's just unpack these somewhat. So the vision, when I talk about vision, you know, we've talked about vision for strategy and, uh, you know, the importance of having a vision for, for um, communicating your strategy and, and building your strategy. In this instance, when I say vision, I'm talking about, um, I'm referring to, to the strategic alignment, I guess, of your data and analytics goals with business objectives, with your organizational objectives and the needs of your end user or your customers. Okay, there's got to be an alignment. You can't just be doing data and analytics type initiatives for the sake of doing them. There's got to be a link to strategy. And so, so having that vision as a CIO, super important. Talent, obviously, you know, is referring to, to the people part of it, how we recruit the types of resources we need, how we develop them, how we retain them. Data, you know, the data and analytics world is in such high demand. And so we, we want to be able to retain uh, these resources inside uh, our, our organizations. We also want to make sure, you know, when I talk about the development piece, we want to make sure that, that our, our, all of our talented resources can collaborate across functional areas. And so having that consulting mindset, uh, being able to, to, to kind of connect need and application across uh, broad departments is important. And so understanding the organization or understanding the business is super important. The third one I mentioned was governance. Uh, you always need good governance. If you don't have it, um, you can really run into all kinds of issues. Governance can be policies you set for your organization. It can be processes you put in place uh, and, and standards that you put in place, expectations that ensure high quality of your data security of that data, uh, respecting of the privacy, you know, of the data that you are holding, and if there are any ethical considerations. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's legal requirements in terms of how we use data, and there are ethical considerations in terms of what are we doing with the data, making sure that, that we're using it in an ethical fashion. And then there's the last piece. You know, the last essential piece is thinking about the platform, the technologies that you want to have in place, the tools, how you architect that so that data can be ingested, it can be integrated, uh, you can process it and analyze it and ultimately visualize it. You want to be able to, to visualize this type of data. You want to be able to bring it to, to your end users so that they can, uh, they can do something with it. It tells them something and then some kind of action can be taken. And, you know, there are challenges. I know that when, when leaders in technology inside organizations look at, at data and analytics type initiatives, which can unlock all kinds of, of value for your organization, sometimes there are challenges 
or they've heard of pitfalls um, and, and, and they become risk averse and they don't want to kind of go down uh, this route. But I, I think, you know, what you need to be able to do is, is start small. If you haven't stepped into this kind of work, start to understand, find something where you can maybe have a proof of concept developed, whether you're doing that in-house or whether you're doing that externally with someone. You want to be able to, to gain some expertise if you haven't had some exposure to this in the past. Okay? Acknowledge that there are challenges and, and possible pitfalls. Okay? When you're implementing a data and analytics uh, initiative, you might have siloed data, for instance, inside the organization, and that can be hard to overcome. You can have legacy systems, right? really old systems, um, the data is in a certain sort of format. It doesn't kind of mesh with, with modern systems that you've got in place. You could have gaps in your talent. You know, we talk about talent being an important piece. You might have some gaps and you're sort of shrugging, saying, I'm not really sure how to step into that. And, you know, when you do this kind of work, it's change. Uh, and so you might have a resistance to change. But all of these things, I think, if you, if you take sort of a design a, a thinking approach, if you take sort of a sprint-based approach, you can start to, to step into, into that. You can overcome some of these, these challenges and start to really foster a data-driven culture inside your organization. If you want to do this, I think ultimately what you, what you need to do is build a data strategy. Take a look at your organizational strategy, whatever format uh, that's been done or whatever approach that's been done. I'm going to do a future episode on, on, on strategic approaches for businesses. But whatever strategy your organization has, you're going to want to create a data strategy that supports and enables that, first and foremost. I think as well, you know, you, you should look for opportunities, especially if, you don't have sort of a data-driven culture in your organization, look at what building a data literacy program might look like for your organization. Then you can get to sort of establishing the data governance framework and you can, you know, look at ways to, to implement. Uh, again, you know, creating that data environment on site sometimes can be quite daunting for an IT team or it might not be something that you've budgeted for from a capital perspective. There's lots of great cloud-based data platforms. Find someone who, who will be able to do this, for instance, as a managed service for you, as an example, or uh, some cloud-based tools, especially if you're already using, a lot of schools uh, and organizations use cloud-based tools. Uh, uh, or platforms for, let's say, their student information system or uh, for a financial um, system, for instance. Well, you can then find cloud-based uh, tools where you don't have to set all this stuff up within your organization. You can, in a sense, spin it up quickly and, and easily in the cloud. What I really want to stress is it's not that daunting to get started. It can be daunting uh, when this becomes more sophisticated inside an organization. And then I would say, you know, draw again on uh, external partners or, or bring in the right people. But it's not that daunting to begin the conversation inside your organization. And if you are that IT leader, 
again, whether you're a CIO or whether you're a director of technology, bring this to fellow leaders. Bring this to your executive team or your senior leadership team and emphasize how important, you know, make that business case for how important data and analytics uh, can be for the organization, how it enables the business, um, you know, to enhance their business outcomes, to enhance their customer experience, and ultimately trigger that digital transformation, you know, to, to be innovative, you've got to be able to trigger this digital transformation. And as a CIO, this is your ability. Or if you're a senior leader, you're the, the president or the CEO, you're the principal of a school, you're the managing director of, of some organization, you're the, whatever your, your role is inside your organization. If you want to drive innovation and you're not already doing something in the area of unlocking your digital assets, uh, sorry, your data assets, this is a great place for you uh, to begin exploring that and stepping into that. Data is the future of, of organizations being able to adapt, be agile, embrace innovation, nurture innovation. It's one of these important parts of your organizational toolkit. And so if you've got questions about that kind of thing, that you want me to maybe do a future uh, podcast on, don't hesitate to drop me a note uh, and let me know. Tech tool tip of the week. I want to talk about a product I've talked about in the past. I've been using it now for quite a long time. It's a tool called Rewind. Um, it's been a, an Apple-only uh, product to date, but I had seen on their website uh, that it is coming very soon to Windows. And so I thought, that's a good enough reason to kind of resurface this, so that way the listening community who, who might have heard about this the first time can uh, now take a look at it if they're Windows users. Rewind, just to kind of recap that quickly from, uh, in case you haven't heard the past, the past podcast on this, is a tool that... Um, is basically always recording your screen on your laptop. So everything I look at is is being recorded. It's being indexed. It's 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 being seen in a sense. Um, as well as um, when I um, uh, participate, for instance, in a Zoom call, um, it is uh, capturing the audio from that particular call. It's basically documenting what's happening each and every day. Uh, and so. Well, you know, the initial use case around this is, let's say I'm doing some research, uh, you know, we're building an innovation center here, uh, and maybe I was looking uh, at um, uh, affordances, for instance, that uh, innovative spaces provide educators uh, and, and how that enhances uh, pedagogical practices um, with students. Let's say that's what I'm working on. And let's say I'm reading a series of emails um, um, maybe, you know, a couple of people that I'm working with here have emailed me on this topic. Uh, then I'm on the web and I'm doing some research. Then maybe a little later on, I, I, a couple of hours later, I pull up a, a, an academic research paper on this very topic and I read it. Uh, then maybe I send a text message to someone uh, with a few ideas 
uh, on this topic uh, uh, because we're planning a workshop. So think of all that happening through the course of a day or through the course of a week. What Rewind allowed me to do is if a month later I'm having a conversation with someone and, and we're, we revisit this topic, I can now just go in and type in, for instance, um, innovation spaces affordances, for instance. And it will show me in a timeline all of the places where that has come up on my screen, regardless of what application. I can go back to it in the moment. And that is incredibly, incredibly powerful in terms of being able to get back to something really quickly. I've used it hundreds and hundreds of times, just even from the perspective of trying to find something that I know I've seen on the web or some YouTube video that I've seen, and I can't seem to find it through any type of traditional search. I'm going back through my browser history. I'm going back through my YouTube um, um, you know, video watching history, and I can't find what I'm looking for. Rewind has done it for me. But what they've added, and I'm finding incredibly useful, is that they've now kind of built that generative AI capability into the tool where you can, you can ask rewind questions. So I can ask it, for instance, to tell me um, key elements of uh, designing innovation spaces that really support educators for uh, uh, you know, the delivery of pedagogy. And what it does is it goes back through everything that I have been looking at. Uh, it goes back through all that content. And now it's using that as an input to generate information uh, for me. It's astounding. Uh, I recently typed into it, you know, give me a summary of the key action items from a particular Zoom meeting that I had been in. And it because it's got the Zoom meeting, including things that were were shared on screen. There were some spreadsheets that were uh, shared on screen that had some important information, key dates. All of that is seen by the artificial intelligence. And now it's packaged it up for me in three really lovely paragraphs. And at the end, little bulleted list with six action items for me. It's astounding. It's like having an assistant, this AI assistant now, that's, it's a companion through your day, kind of with you while you're working. Take a look at it. If you haven't seen it, take a look. Even if you just watch a video on YouTube, check it out. The, the product is called Rewind. I have no affiliation with this product. I don't get any, any uh, uh, monetary compensation. Check out rewind.ai. It's unbelievable. And it will, I guarantee it will change the way you work. Well, dear listeners, I'm going to wrap it up for this Friday's episode 52 here on the podcast. Thank you again for joining. I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope that you have found today's topics in and around journaling. Uh, data and analytics as a value creation tool for your organization, the rewind tool, all of these things. I hope that you found them uh, interesting, intriguing. I hope it's piqued your curiosity and I wish you a great upcoming weekend. I hope that the weekend gives you an opportunity to recharge. October is coming to an end already. We are almost in November. 
And so I hope that the weekend uh, is a time for you to be able to slow down, uh, do some exploration, uh, do some of that, whatever personal things kind of recharge your batteries. And until we connect again next week, stay curious, everyone. Stay innovative. I am your host, Michael Ianni Polarchio, always thrilled to have spent this little bit of time with you here uh, through the podcast. And I'm wishing you well. And with my signature <laughs> greeting, let me simply say, ciao.